On September 8, 2001, I announced to the world that the Amazing Race was the most daring competition ever attempted. Eleven two-person teams bound by friendship, love, and family going on a 35,000-mile race around the world for a $1 million prize. Well, no one could have predicted that 32 seasons and 15 Emmy Awards later, the Amazing Race would become part of the global zeitgeist. I couldn't go back. You just put it out there. She said you've got less than a year to live. Stuck even deeper. Is the residue of design. Nobody else was doing it, so I couldn't. That was the turning point. Welcome to the Bucket Podcast with Phil Cogan. Every week, I talk to mavericks, disruptors, and innovators—people who ditch the excuses, swerve off the predictable road, and epitomize what it means to tick it before you kick it. You don't really know what you're signing up for other than it's this CBS Global Adventure Around the World show that doesn't have a name. Yeah, and you couldn't really tell your, your bosses what we were doing at the time as young lawyers at a firm. You kind of like, ah, we're taking six weeks away from the clients to go run around the world. They wouldn't take too kindly to that. You could call Rob Frisbee and Brennan Swain the OGs of the Amazing Race. The show's first winners, who boldly lined up with 10 other teams on a cold winter morning 18 years ago in Central Park, to hear me say that the world was waiting for them. Since then, more than 350 teams from all walks of life have taken up the challenge, following clues from one country to another as they circumnavigate the world with the hopes of winning that elusive $1 million prize. There's nothing quite like doing something for the first time. So as we celebrate more than 30 seasons of The Amazing Race, I thought it would be fun to sit down with our season one winners who took a chance to do something groundbreaking. So I got you here because this podcast is called Bucket with Phil Cogan. It's, it's all about ticket before you kick it. And you guys were part of a maverick season. Mm-hmm. You were part of television history. First ever amazing race, 2001. We shot in the cold winter. Yeah. We left from New York City. And I mean, it's pretty extraordinary to me that it's now been 18 years since you crossed the finish line and won the first ever amazing race. 30 seasons? 31 32. Seasons? 32. We just shot the 32nd That's season of Amazing Race. And I don't know if any of us thought that we were gonna be this deep into Amazing Race if if we were even gonna finish season one. And, and I guess the reason I wanted to talk to you guys is that you are television mavericks. Uh, you guys took a a, a big risk in coming onto a show that nobody even knew about. And I just thought it'd be fun to go back and yeah. talk a little bit about the history, what, what you guys were feeling like when you started out, like Central Park. Still remember it. 2001. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What was going through your mind? You're standing at the starting line. What are you thinking? Well, first we were driving around in a bus for three hours because they wanted to confuse us. As yeah. to where we're... <laughs> I always wonder, well, were they driving us on that bus because they wanted to confuse us or because you guys weren't ready at the starting line? That, that's a good it question. It could have been a combination <laughs> yeah. of both because I don't think we had any idea about what was going to happen. It, I, I've often said that it was a little bit like we let a wild animal out of a cage. Totally, yeah. Because none of us, you guys didn't know, we didn't really know what was going to happen. And I'm just wondering, A, why did you sign up for this? How did you hear about it? So let's go back to the first time you ever heard about this race around the world. 
Yeah. So the way we found out, um, living here in Los Angeles, I know a few people in the industry, even though we're attorneys. And I had a friend who had helped cast the first few seasons of Survivor. And she called me up and said, we're doing this new show. Uh, it's teams of two racing around the world. And I think you and Rob would make a good team. Uh, can you put together a, a videotape, right. VHS, because it was that long ago. Uh, I told Rob about it. We both thought, ah, that, that could be fun, but we didn't get around to making the tape. So I got a call from her uh, the day before the deadline. We were roommates at the time, got home from work, and I said, you know what, let's do this. We probably won't get on the show, but someday we're gonna see it on air and think, what if? Because we're busy, we're like, ah, oh, this is never gonna happen, but let's do the tape. You know, slim chance we'll get on, but at least we well, do Well, were you excited about the idea, at least about what it was? The well, yeah, that's why, when I said, we're going to see the show someday and wish we had done it. Definitely. When we found out it was, it was racing around the world, going to different destinations. Of course, it didn't even have a name. I think they called it then the CBS Summer Global Adventure and Series. She kind of couched like it. That. Wow, that like, just rolls off the tongue. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. She yeah. kind of couched it more like a scavenger hunt or something like that. So we didn't even know there'd be a lot of travel involved. And for me, that was the biggest thing. I'd never really even traveled in my life. I went straight through high school, straight through college, sports and books, law school, right into work you know, 12, 14 hours a day as you do when you're young. Never thought about the world outside my little bubble. So this was a pretty big bubble burst. <laughs> yeah, and it was pretty much the same for me. I had been on one surf trip to Indonesia, which to me was about as exotic as it gets. Other than that, I grew up upstate New York. I'd been to Canada and then living in Southern California, I'd been across the border to Tijuana. So other than that, I hadn't really traveled. So you're so. too big countries your big two big trips canada mexico, canada, yeah, mexico yeah, yeah, yeah. right it so, wasn't wasn't that one of the running jokes that the guidos had is that we've never been out of the country yeah. or something like that yeah, yeah. they didn't yeah. want to team up with us at one point because we weren't well traveled yeah. and so we we, we definitely even though we even though like he said we may have felt like we were doing it as a favor for somebody at the same time we thought well we keep making the joke as we both said we don't think we'll ever get on this show but if we did we'd we, we both were definitely excited to do it and then before we know, we're at the hotel doing the casting and all that stuff. So it happened quick. So you, you sign up. You don't really know what you're signing up for other mm -hmm. than it's this CBS Global Adventure Around the World show that doesn't have a name. But you think, what the hell? Yeah. I mean, and, and you have to take off a month, essentially, out of your life. Six weeks of right. work. Yeah. yeah. And so that's a, that's a bold choice in itself, right? Yeah. And you couldn't really tell your... Your bosses, what we were doing at the time as young lawyers at a firm, you kind of ah, we're taking six weeks away from the clients to go run around the world. They wouldn't take too kindly to that. And, so. and that's one of the big differences too. We've talked about this since in the 18 years that we've known each other is just this whole sh show was shrouded in mystery and secrecy and nobody yeah. was allowed to talk about where and what and how, none of that stuff, right? And then suddenly you're on this, this secret mission. You can't tell anybody where you're going, what yeah. you're gonna do. And the fact is, you didn't really know where you were going to go and what you yeah, were going to do. Yeah, we weren't withholding it. We didn't know. Well, <laughs> it's like, and when you say that we went into it without knowing anything, we went to the store trying to figure out what to... Obviously, we knew we had to carry backpacks. Yeah. Um, but what are we going to put in those backpacks? And so we contact production. And all they told us was, we won't let you die from the elements. <laughs> yeah, and we didn't even know exact what, that, what that meant. <laughs> so, so we're, we're in, we're in um, like some adventure store. And, REI uh, yeah, or whatever it, it is. Yeah. And we're, we're, telling, we're trying to tell the guy without telling him what we're doing. So we told people that uh, we were going on a, a college trip. It was like mm. a college 
college course where we were good. We didn't know what we were going to be doing. We're going to be right. traveling around the world. <laughs> we don't know what we're, what types of climates we're going to be in. And so we had to prepare for all this different stuff. We ended up with a tent in our backpack. Yeah, we left like this $500 uh, tent. Hold on. Up you brought a tent? We brought a tent. How were we to know? We I didn't know, know what I, we were going to be yeah. doing. Yeah, that tent is now being used by somebody. And where was it? South Africa? Yeah, we, we just in, dumped it because we, we realized we, we never were going to need it. We uh, Shumba Valley Lodge yeah, in South Africa. We realized right away that it was just going to slow us down. We had we had sleeping bags. Uh, we had we had a, we brought quite a bit of food because of course that was when Survivor the big thing on Survivor was they didn't eat much and they had hold to, on a second uh, I uh, had no idea that you guys brought we a packed tent, sleeping bag. high calorie nuts you know <laughs> energy drinks and, what what are high calorie nuts by like the way ca- well that's why my well, father's like, influence these are nuts like, that have extra high like calories cashews you know things Brazil nuts there's Brazil nuts, nuts. Tons yeah. of calories oh, in them see. that's what it was but it's funny watching yeah. the show now because everybody's so streamlined they've got like one small little backpack and we were lugging around with like these fifty pound streamlined backpacks. That's yeah, why the backpacks three. are so big at the starting Nobody line. Nobody knew what one. we were doing. Yeah. I didn't even know that. Yeah. yeah. You guys never told us? <laughs> well, I don't know if we really knew. All we knew is we were going to, what, protect you from the elements. You weren't going to die from the elements. Yeah. Yeah. And what we learned later what that meant was when we got to Alaska. So we didn't know what it meant. So we had thermals and stuff like that with us. But when we got to Alaska, you, I'll say they, you were part of production. You actually gave us uh, jackets and boots and things like that. So it was like the only thing we got along the trip. But looking looking wise. back on it, that was the best part about it. And to the theme of this podcast, it was an adventure. Yeah. I mean, now certainly the kids that go and do it with you guys now, or the adults, whoever it is. I love how you kids. call them kids. Well, I feel yeah. old. It's 18 yeah. years later, Phil. Yeah. You know, you know. Yeah, I mean, so. you, you guys were kids. How old are you? 24, 25 We were. Uh, I think he was 27. I was 29. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah. You, you now were, we're 31 and 33. Oh, you're yeah. so right. old. And Sure. <laughs> but we're in terms of adventure, we're so lucky because we're the only group that ever got to have that raw experience. And at the starting line, I, I remember thinking, how is this all going to work? And, and I think as much as everybody might have wanted to think that they knew what was going to happen, no. they didn't really know what was going to happen. So just take us to that moment because I remember it so vividly. The fountain. Standing there yeah. at Bethesda Fountain, looking into the faces of Frank and Margarita and Emily and Nancy and you guys and, and the Guidos. Um, I believe oh, yes. it was maybe the first reality show, certainly maybe the first network show where we had a, an openly gay couple. That's as, right. As contestants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was the show was diverse. I mean, we had quite a bit of diversity standing there at that starting line. Definitely. Yeah. And and I gave you this long speech. I th- I, it felt like it went on forever. Um, yeah. Well, because you had to give it a few times. Yeah, we had to do it many times in <laughs> yeah. different shots. People up on the angles. street watching. I think yeah. you guys had a helicopter. And they must have been thinking, what the yeah. hell's going on, right? Yeah. And the backpacks were lined up at the t- top of the stairs. And I just want you to take us back to that moment while you're standing there. And again, you, you're, you've got these tents and sleeping bags and, and high calorie nuts in your bag. Soon to be ditched. Yeah. And you're thinking, what? What's going through your mind? As soon as you told us to go, um, that all hell was going to break loose. And you just, you kind of knew that, but you didn't know what was going to happen. So the time that we stood at that starting line, from the time we got out of the bus to the time you said go, felt like it was probably three or four hours when in reality it might have been 45 minutes or something right. like yeah. that. Um, and it was a feeling like none other. Just, it was just unbelievable stress. I, looking back, I wish I could have savored it. I probably didn't even listen to Phil what he was saying. I'm just waiting for that go well, get your first clue kind yeah. of thing. Hey, what can I say? You know, I'd listen, I listen now. But Do you remember the world is waiting for you? I remember that. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. I remember the first episode too, you walking around on the top of the building for the intro and everything like that. But back at that moment, it was. It was complete stress, but like the beginning of a football game for yeah. an athlete. It's that adrenaline starts going. And once we ran up the stairs... 
you're still stressed, but now you're in it. You don't know what you're doing, Very but true. it kind of takes over and you just play the game, go about it like a couple of jocks. Well, and then know. speaking of running up to the top of the stairs, we pull our first clue. We open that thing up and it says, and it says get yourselves to South some, Africa. And that's why- It doesn't why, say anything else. You know, just we, get we to knew, South Africa. You know, we, we, we knew it was going to be travel, but when you immediately read South Africa, you're like, Wow, this is really happening. This is it, not Canada or Mexico. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. there's a measly like, what was it, eighty bucks in it? In the, in the what, whatever, whatever yeah. it was. It wasn't whatever much. the the stipend for each <laughs> oh, leg come was. On, yeah. Rich Lord. <laughs> yeah, but you're a not measly eighty dollars <laughs> for the fans. You're not allowed to bring any of your outside money or any in, <laughs> right. in, into the race. So right. getting to South Africa on eighty bucks is not easy. Yeah. You know? So so we, you get on that plane. Your heart's pumping. We fly through the night. That's a long flight. Remember how long that was? Yeah, yeah. And you get all the way down there off the plane. We've just come from winter in New York. We arrive in South Africa. It's huge temperature change. Um, everybody's running crazy, scared, but you know, just trying to get from one place to the other. What's the first thing you remember when you touch down in, in South Africa? Yeah, the first thing I remember is it becomes real again because because during those breaks when you're on a plane, when you're on a train, now granted this was the first one, um, there's nothing you can do. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you might ask some other people on the plane if they're from South Africa, what might be there. You try to get a few little clues, yeah. but there's not much you can do. So you actually do have a little time to relax. As soon as you touch down, you're like, oh boy, here we go. And all we've done so far is get to the airport and get on a plane. So now you know the tasks are gonna start and you don't know what they're gonna be. And so those nerves just set back in again and the adrenaline starts pumping. Yeah, I, I like the quiet times. The planes, trains, and automobiles were like the only time I could really reflect that, hey, I'm traveling. Here I am, you know, you talk to people. It wasn't always gameplay. You'd look out of the window at some of the smaller, lower flights and see the countryside, the falls, stuff like that. At the very beginning, you don't remember anything. Uh, in fact, I remember thinking at the first pit stop, I just saw Victoria Falls. I can't tell you what it looks like. Like I had no mental picture of it because you're just going so fast. You're like, all right, let's get the next clue. We went for the fast forward on that leg. We not we, smart. We, we hiked down this long, you know, down this canyon. We're right by the falls, but I don't remember what it looked like. So it did take a couple legs to not slow down, but you know, as they say, stop and smell the roses, at least. I remember you know, many legs later, we were at the Taj Mahal, you know, another wonder of the world. And uh, we got our clue, we're running out. I actually stopped Rob and you I said, stop us, for yeah. a minute, turn around, take a mental picture, which takes all of five seconds. Okay, let's start running again. That so, was the first time in the race that, that was a little made a being at the Taj Mahal was a little bit of a turning point. I think we both looked at each other and realized we better stop and smell the roses to the extent we can throughout the rest of this, you know, and that was about halfway through. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and I remember that pit stop well, because you guys were up on a on a hill there overlooking the Taj Mahal, yeah. remember? And, and you guys stopped, and I think you slept in tents that night, didn't you, up on the hill? Not our tent. No? <laughs> but, <laughs> no, not that tent. Another tent. A, a, a More of a royal tent. The, oh, oh that, remember was, that, pit stop? that was the pit stop. There was, yeah. a, there was a tent there. But the, there was I a hotel. Was the, out. Yeah, we, the Hotel Taj. You stayed in a Oh, you stayed in the Hotel horrible Taj? Hotel. Yeah, but it was, it was called the Taj Kima Hotel. The Taj Kima Hotel, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and speaking of adventures, that was the first time I ever used a bathroom that didn't have a toilet seat. That's the best part. But just... Just to you know, put a nail on it. We stopped and looked at the Taj uh, Mahal, and we're like, we've got to take a little more time the rest of the way here. But this is this. quite deep into the race. Yeah, that's yeah, that's like seven legs into the race. Yeah. Seven legs into the race because yeah. it was just all competition until that point. Until it was really, I credit you for doing that, saying, you know what, stop, take a look at this. I, I remember Songwe Village end of the first episode, and all of us, we just we stopped, and the sun was setting. We weren't planning on shooting at night. You guys were later than, than we thought. Not you guys, but the later teams were. Yeah, yeah. You guys arrived in the day, but there were other teams. 
including the first eliminated team, Matt and Anna, arriving in the dark. And all of us kind of looking at each other going, what the hell just <laughs> happened? Yes. What have we done? And are we going to be able to make this? Yeah. Uh, we we got on the first flight to South Africa, right? Yeah. Were you guys on that flight or had you yeah. gone earlier? No, yeah. we were on the same flight. I yeah. mean, a lot of people don't realize, fans don't realize that, and it still happens today, Well, that yeah, that a lot of times we're on the same flight as the leading contestants, which puts a lot of pressure on us because we sort of arrive when you do and we're trying to stay slightly ahead. It was so exciting to be a part of, of something new and and fresh and yeah. going into the unknown. It was just as, as, as exciting for us as it was for you guys. But if you told me then that we would be having this conversation 18 years later. And 32 I, seasons later. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have believed it. And I, and I hadn't watched it in years until my fiance at the time and now my wife wanted to see it. She'd never seen it. Oh, so right? we sat down and watched oh, season one. Oh, you mean one. she, she never wanted seen to marry you before she knew that you were Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Wow, okay. Exactly. So, no, no. But we watched it and I'm like, oh my God, this is so much fun to watch. What had ever been as big and bold as no, that? you got to right? take risks. We weren't going to one location and, and setting up a production. This was a moving machine yeah. where we were operating in the real world. And I often say this to people. You know, it's one thing to go do a show at 69 degrees in the valley in a beautifully cool studio where you have lunch at 1230 and you, you knock off at 530. This thing was ongoing in all kinds of extreme climates in the real world where if there was a strike or a plane was canceled or whatever, that affected the show. Are there seasons that stick out in your mind as more grueling than others for you? Like, yeah, well, season three was beat us up more than any other. I think it was about, wasn't until about the seventh night that we actually got to a pillow where we had a real pillow. Um, and and then this last season that we just shot 32, it just knocked us, all of us out. It was so hard. I, I don't know, I mean, there's some seasons that where you feel like you have a little bit of breathing room, but season three and season 32, I, I took me six or seven nights before I, uh, you know, and we've only just got back recently before I actually got some sleep. I saw the picture of you sitting up with your oh, eye blind thing on yeah. trying right. to get some sleep. But yeah, that looked but pretty intense. Think about how the world has changed and you guys can speak to this because the show was shrouded with secrecy. You guys were signed... You'd signed a, 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 I mean, you guys are lawyers, you understand the document you signed. It was almost like someone was going to put some concrete boots on you guys and throw you in the yeah, Hudson if, yeah. you, if you spoke about anything to do with the race. It was like, you can't say where we're going, you can't say what we're doing. You know, oh, we, were, say, we were so scared. Yeah, 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 you guys had to hold of this secret yeah, yeah. all the way from the beginning of 2001 for nine months, you're holding on to this. And, and I'm just wondering if you could speak to the, how the world has changed. I mean, you're here now. What were you just doing before sending out some message to the world? Oh, I was doing, I was doing my Insta stories. Your Insta yeah, stories. So people yeah. Can, yeah. can see within seconds you know, what I'm doing live right now. Okay, it's imagine crazy. if yeah. we had that conversation in 2001. Yeah. You know, in 2018, you're going to be doing an Insta story. An Insta what? Yeah. yeah. Who? Well, there's well, a famous moment in this race where we borrow somebody's cell phone. And it was one of those dial-up things that had no functionality other than you hope a call gets through to somebody on right. it. Right. You know, there was an innocence in television 100%, then yeah. where you guys, again, you were a part of something that was new and different. Right. Survivor had come on, launched, what, May 31st, 2000. Um, I, I remember that date very well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my birthday, actually. But, um, but you know, there was this, there was this innocence. There, 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 was, there was a... 
a different way of thinking where people didn't understand what a sound bite was. I've got fans who weren't even born when you guys won Amazing yeah. Race, yeah. who are now going back and watching Thank you, you guys. <laughs> Thank no, you. but it's, <laughs> it's and true. We, and we have them contact us still to this yeah. day. Is that I, right? I will yeah. get emails or messages or something and they'll say, oh yeah, I was maybe, I don't know if I've gotten, I have gotten them from people who weren't born, but a lot of times you get them from like, oh, I was like three or four or six or something like that. And I went back and I, or I became a, a fan at season 15 or 20 or whatever it is. And I went back and watched the old season. You guys were my favorite team on season one. And it, 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 it the, is cool that we still have that, that impact. Yeah. Like you keep saying 18 years later. And that's yeah, crazy. I would bet that the show to, to the theme of the podcast has inspired a lot of people to travel. Oh, it has immensely. You know, I mean, I, that, I, what what I love more than anything yeah. is I love when fans, particularly like the younger fans who are finding the series, who go back and then they binge watch and they have all this content. They fall in love with Amazing Race from season one and then they follow it all the way through the evolution. They yeah. grow with us and everything. And, and then they will send a photograph of them standing at one of our pit stops. Oh, yeah. That's great. In the exact location. Phil, look where I am. I'm standing at the mat. Where are you? You know, I love, I just love that part of it. That's awesome. Yeah. So let's go back to 2001 now because, so we shoot the show in winter. We leave New York. We go to Songway Village. We go all around the world. We go to France. We go to Le Beau. We go to Taj Mahal, as you said. You guys come in and then you finish in New York City, so where we all began, but now you're running towards the finish line. You're, we've, the, the Guidos have been left behind in Alaska. Right. Uh, they missed the flight. They get caught up there, back there. And so it's really you guys against a team who's from New York City, who know the subway system, who know the taxi system was their in downfall. the city. Yeah, right. <laughs> right, it was their, their place. It was their race to win at it that was. point. It was, it was. Basically, we got in the cab from the airport and said, get us here as fast as you can. And as I understand it, Frank started giving elaborate instructions because he was from there. And it turned out that our guy just did what he did to get us to that clue box sooner. And from there, because even if Frank and Margarita had been on the same train, I'm pretty confident we would have won that half mile foot race or whatever. Yeah, at the yeah end. it's interesting. It was their race to win because, well, not only were they from New York, they were from Queens, which is where the finish line was. Um, and we ended up, of course, we got on the train first. They got on the, the next train. So it, it made for kind of a dramatic finish. Very they dramatic. thought they had they, won they, and they, they came in behind us. But I think had um, they been either a couple minutes faster, us a couple minutes slower, or whatever it was, if we'd ended up on the same train, uh, I think I think we would have won in a foot race. So I, in, in reality, I think once that final uh, flight was taken, I think it was our race to win but that's that's reality versus what was yeah the, the way it actually came and it wouldn't have been yeah. just dramatic even if there was a foot race if yeah. they were on the same train the ending was perfect the way it worked out wasn't it the most unbelievable ending yeah. and, and the globe right yep. i mean there's the globe and we've yep. got the mat the finish all line, the contestants waiting all there. the contestants yeah. waiting and then that long long run that you guys had from way off in the distance we could right. barely see you and then you guys are running towards the man and just take us into that moment. Well, there was, of course, a sliver. There's always a sliver of doubt. We were running, looking at each other, pretty sure that we had done it, but not entirely sure. You know, maybe Frank and Margaret could pop out on that standing up there with you already. So there was that sliver of doubt. But I remember really enjoying that run. Mm -hmm. Like we were pretty sure we had won and we kind of soaked it up. I don't remember whether and, we well, talked much. One of, the, one of the reasons we thought we had won is because everybody was cheering. Mm. But of course, being season one, <laughs> that's why we thought that. Of course, Frank and Margarita thought the same thing because everybody was cheering. So it turns out we actually had a false uh, reason why we thought we were winning, but we actually were winning. Um, and then it, I, I remember we got up there. You guys, we, there wasn't a lot of time. You hit us from Frank and Margarita because they were going to be running and you didn't want them to see us up there and have their 
surprise, you know. And then you guys, the, the shots of you guys turning around, like, you know, are they coming? Are they, coming? Where, are they ahead? You, you, you weren't 100% sure. Yeah. And then you get up on the mat. And then I think I said something like, what, 35,000 miles? It was the first time I ever... However many countries, yeah. nine yeah. countries, yeah. four continents, 35,000 miles. I'm to tell yeah. you, you've won the yep. $1 million and the amazing race. And, and, and there you are, the first winner. Well, speaking <laughs> of, of fans contacting us, yeah. I still have people tell me that that moment of us running to the finish line and, and, and even the entire finale, I've had people tell me that is their like favorite, favorite. hour of television ever and yeah. still is to this day. Um, so that shows what an impact it had on people and why the show's still on the air 32 seasons and 18 years later. Yes. So you got to keep it a secret for the entire, you know, what, nine months leading up to our launch. So I remember the launch so well. And we're in New York City, September the 8th, 2001. And I don't know if you remember, but there were billboards of Amazing Race oh, yeah. on the front of every single bus. Yeah. I can remember. I, I, all around New York City. There were billboards everywhere. In LA, yeah, it was yeah. the same thing. Same thing, yeah. right? Yeah. And I remember, I think they, fla- they flew some banners down in LA. But I just think I was living in New York at the time, and I remember the banners on the front of the buses. Yeah. And, and we launch, and Amazing Race goes out to the world. And people are like, wow, because it was just so different and new. And it was like something people had never seen anything like this before. And then three days later, 9-11. And I see, I think it was on CNN or one of the news feeds. I see a bus. The same buses that I've been seeing driving around New York City. The bus is covered in dust. And on the front of the bus is a poster that says The Amazing Race. Oh, man. And there are people bleeding and who are covered in dust getting on the bus and i see that poster and in that moment i thought you know it had all been about amazing race promoting amazing race this is the greatest thing and it was such an important part of my life and in an instant it was like what does it all mean you know what what it suddenly felt like this very trivial thing in 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 my world you know i realized well what was the significance of it now with reflection, I realized the value of Amazing Race. But in that moment, it just didn't matter, right? It, just, yeah. Yeah. it was not relevant. It didn't mean anything. And it was sort of this horrible feeling of, you know, I'm working on this show. And what does that really matter to the world? And I should be going to do something that actually does have some impact. And so my instinct was wanted to go, to go downtown and to get some work gloves on and do something yeah. to help, yeah. you know, real. That was real. But that really brought it home to me. That made it real. The whole world changed in an instant and if anything now looking back you realize the importance of a show like amazing yes because we're a show that has and you've been a part of this that has opened people's eyes up to the world and so to me it served a great purpose because it's taken shows like amazing race and also just a catastrophic event like that for us to realize you know what we have to take more interest in the rest of the world and look out more than just focusing on what's happening here in America. Right. We're a part of this world and we need to look out more. And so I think we've given people, the show has given people a chance to say, hey, you know what? In these countries, they also have something to share. Yes, America is great, but rather than seeing, you know, isolating ourselves and say we're the greatest, there's also great things that are happening in other countries. Yeah. Well, and people need it now more than ever, I think, because you can bring the world to you on your phone instead of getting out and going and see it. So yeah. people need to realize that you've come to love travel more than anybody I know. 
Yeah, and, and I think at the same time, the other thing that's great about the travel aspect of race and, and the adventure, the, the tasks or anything that's going on, I, I think it just shows people to get out there and live because when, when something like 9-11 happens or the, I remember after the, the, the Paris attack at the, um, uh, with the rock show. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was actually, uh, I was out snowboarding that weekend when, when I saw it and I, and I remember talking to my friend about it and I thought, you know what, these things hopefully will, um, will do to people is let them realize that we've got to get out and we've got to enjoy life and we've got to do the things that we've been wanting to do that we got to check those things off our bucket list because if we don't and we get scared by these events then the terrorists win and yeah. so i think that's a great thing about why amazing race kept on after 9-11 yeah um bertram who's the executive producer of amazing race at that time he said the world had changed from one second to another and we were doing a show about traveling overseas about airplanes and at that point I thought that the show was over this is what Bertram said I didn't think that we had a chance um, thankfully people saw the value the long-term value of Amazing Race yeah. and that you know there was much more of a feel-good celebrate the world type show yeah but then when people realized the value of it that, that it was this blue chip show I think then yeah. they were like wow this show is really this show's really got something. It's yeah. not always just feel good, though. You guys get some good drama on the show. I mean, oh, the casting yeah. is is good, you know. Yeah. That's the enjoyable part about it's, watching it's, it. Except it, for us, the it, boring guys. It's still a reality television show. Yeah. you got to have some controversy, right? <laughs> now, I want to ask you about some of your, your, your viewing parties because they're... They're they're quite infamous. Uh, you guys are young. You, you said you were 27, 29, yeah, right? Yeah. So you're young. At the time, we did live in a pretty badass Wasn't apartment. it a penthouse that you was, paid $3,000 a week for? Which, <laughs> no, no, no week, not a month, week. A month, month sorry. But back $3, then. $3,000 a month. Was, These guys well. are living high on the hog, so to speak. We yeah. were, yes. uh, Pretending that, I mean, wow, look at them. They're smoking, uh, they're smoking cigars. And uh, they live in a penthouse that costs $3,000 a month. I wonder if they won. Um, you weren't giving it away at all. Uh, well, we had that before we even... That's the, oh, that's that right? the Yeah, so oh. we, our lifestyle was pretty much the well, same. Well, here's, here's, and I think the reason they became most infamous is because there was an article in Star Magazine about the parties. Yeah, and, I think and, I have the quote. You, you do? Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're just partying and partying some more, said a source in West LA, where the two live together in a $3,000 a month penthouse. They have dozens of girls in every Wednesday night. They all watch the show. And the noise continues until the wee hours. Rob, especially, is so hot. Apparently, you're apparently so Back hot. Back in the day, yeah. That they have no trouble recruiting people. It's girls yeah, only, oh, except God. for the two of them. Is that true? Was there only well, girls? First of all, I can't I, believe you found that. I, yeah. <laughs> well, I, my researcher and producing partner. There, there, there actually is some truth to well, it. Well, uh, so and then it also it, then it says something about us getting new cars. So here's the truth. So I think a lot of those National Enquirer star stories. There's like a kernel of truth to them. We did have parties every week to watch the show. There were guys there. It was it was mainly just friends that came over. Um, and then it's when it says something about getting new cars. Those are the cars that we have been driving for like three or four years each yeah. so we end up getting a call from cbs that's exactly what they're like you guys bought new cars you're not supposed to give away that you won we, yeah. we didn't do anything other than have some friends We're over to watch living the, our the same life in the We're same place we had 29 yeah. year old lawyers who make yeah. good money yeah. and now nothing's changed right. right and then that article yeah it got us in trouble yeah. well, so in those days you know i'm we sound like we're old people looking back right. at, yeah back in the old days but i mean to, again, we're talking about the cut through on television. There were just less entertainment choices. You're suddenly 
you go from being these appealing, good-looking young lawyers in Los Angeles, and suddenly you're thrust into the limelight. And every week, this this is building yeah. because you're staying in every week, and so you're getting your 15 minutes of fame here. Yep. And I'm just wondering how you processed all of that because even more so than today, people like Richard Hatch. I mean, they just they suddenly exploded. And 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 were you ready for that because you're suddenly in magazines and you're suddenly being talked about and you've got these people running after you. I think the first couple times we got recognized, it was like, oh my God, this is super cool. And then you kind of get used to it, you know, um, and enjoy it instead of just be Yeah, I mean, it was, it. You know, people always had nothing but good things to say. Luckily, we were a well-liked team on the right. show. Race has just such an amazing fan base and they're so loyal that I think yeah. that it just endures over time. Yeah. Even though times change, that fan base is going to stay there. The fact that they can interact now more with the show yeah. than they could in the early years. Well, live, you know, I, I tweet the Yeah, you told the, live the tweet show the show. Live, and and I'm getting direct feedback and we're, we're trending, you know, Amazing Race is trending while the show was on. Oh, tweeting, right. feedback, trending. Can you imagine us talking about this? I know. 18 what years ago. What the hell's a tweet? Yeah, it's a tweet. We're going to be tweeting about this and social media and yeah. all that stuff. I mean, it, 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 it added a whole other layer to my job and it's added a layer to other people's jobs is, you know, I'm not just having to host Amazing Race now. I'm, I'm having to do this other layer. But I have to say, I do love the direct feedback that I have yeah. with the fans because they tell you in real time what they like and what they don't like. Yeah, I think it's that there does, it, there remains the core of the show is an innocence of throwing people out into a big wide world. And yeah. I think that sticks, even though it's, you know, a more slick operation now from hearing you say how quickly you film it and everything like that. You know, you guys were a part of, you know, you picked something that, that worked. Yeah, we, we, we sent in our VHS tape for the right show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, when you look back on The Amazing Race, do you remember more? about those moments or is it or, or do you have to be reminded by watching the show i was going to say that, it, it, that it, the only thing that makes that difficult to answer is i've You're now watched the show yeah so yeah. many times that i yeah. can remember things but I, I can certainly put that aside and those first few legs it is what i don't remember well are the things that were going on during the tasks or yeah. when you're trying to get a cab. It's that I keep talking about the stress and the apprehension and, and that, that frantic time. Your brain's just not focused on what's going on around you, so yeah. you don't remember yeah. those things. And I think Rob will agree with me and all the other contestants as well. The things you remember the most are the downtimes. Mm -hmm. and, and like we talk about how fast you guys get through production now. Back then, it took a little longer because we had some delays and a 12-hour pit stop became 36 hours. We even had one that became 60 hours. In those 60 hours, I think there were five teams left at that point. I'll bet you all five of those teams. And do you remember why? Somebody, what happened? It had something to do with visas in China. Yeah. yeah. I remember that. Yeah, I mean, the spy people, plane, right? Again, this is not like on, on Amazing Race. This is not like, oh, a camera's broken down. Let's just go over to Valley and yeah. pick up a brand new yeah. one. Right. Uh, or, uh, you know, having to cross some border between here and the Valley to get to the studio to go shoot some studio yeah. show. No, this is like real, real world problems where there's suddenly a protest down the Champs-Élysées and around the Arc de right. Triomphe where we're going to have a pit stop, right? Yeah. Or yeah. Uh, planes are canceled, the trains are canceled, or there's really bad weather, or there's political unrest. And we're operating in the in the real world. So and every one of those things happened on our season. That was right. a real world yeah. uh, problem yeah. that we had. And I don't know if you remember, there was this whole food poisoning thing, right? I don't know. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, and, and, right, that was like first leg or something, right? I was on yeah. a plane, no toilet, <laughs> someone got sick, the only vessel, forget about squatty potty, potty. and all the rest right, of yeah, that. For the moment. There was no vessel for this poor person to go to the bathroom. Oh. 
except for a cooler. Small plane. I don't think I've heard the story. That's amazing. <laughs> small plane, cooler in the aisle. This person had to just shed all their inhibitions. Squatty potty down onto yeah. the cooler. Uh. Everything that was in came out. Everything that was in him. Yes. Everything <laughs> yes. that was in him came out into the cooler with about 45 minutes left in the flight. Uh. Very little air conditioning in the plane. We're in Africa. It's very hot. Needless to say, I mean, you can use your imagination yeah. about what kind of flight that was. A lot of people staring out the window pretending what was happening he, in the aisle wasn't really wasn't happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, no, it was, uh, yeah, some crazy stuff happened. And somehow we kept the machine Well, yeah, I think I rolling. think Kevin's pee actually made the cut on the show, right? <laughs> well, so, so, same thing. So, Kevin... Um, because there wasn't a bathroom, he had to take a leak, and he found some plane. water he in found Africa. That small little plane, and nobody in production would have known. But they show the shot of him getting out of the plane and running, grabbing his stuff, and he has two water bottles in his hand. And so, it's not when water. He and I watched. The, the, we, there was a uh, like a fifteen minute promo that came oh. out for the upfronts. And it, it actually made that. the cut. Yeah, it made the cut, and it made the it made the actual episode. If you pause it, you can see him holding two bottles of yellow liquid. And I mean, it wasn't identified what it was, but so somebody thought it was just. Some some kind of electrolyte or something yeah. that but, was going to be but drugged. Brennan's right. I mean, the whole thing overall is kind of a blur. And not just because it's 18 years later, but it was a blur a year later. But distinct moments stand out. That, you know, sitting during that pit stop drinking beer when, they, when we had that delay with the rest of the teams that were there. The times all the teams were together, which were rare, yeah. are the times that stick out in, in my mind. Yeah. Glad you did it. I mean, are you glad that you were part of that first race? Are you glad you you're part oh, of the first Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it's... It's changed my life like no other experience. How, how has had. it changed your life? What's well, happened since race? For well, you guys? so I mean, we we talked. Give about, us a oh, give us a a, a a run that well a brief overview of how your lives have changed in the last eighteen years. So I mean, the, the biggest thing for me is travel. I mean, before race, I, I still enjoyed I guess we'll say adventurous activities like surfing and snowboarding and you know, BMXing that kind of stuff. Um, but I hadn't traveled much. And <clears throat> bucket list for me, I want to hit fifty countries. I know you've got me crushed, but uh, uh, right now I'm at thirty nine. So when I left on race, I was at like three. Uh, so, so I'm doing pretty well. Uh, so for me, that was one of the biggest, biggest life changes. You've been involved in some charities. Uh, I was a part of a group of other reality stars uh, that got to go on these adventure races where we were raising money for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Um, it was uh, me, uh, Ethan from Survivor, uh, Burton and Hunter from Survivor, and we got to race in teams of four in these events in the States and then over in Europe. But the whole time we were raising money for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. So um, and of course, pretty much everything was paid for. So we got these cool adventurous trips, get to hang out with your friends, see these countries you've never been to and raise money for charity. It was, it was really, really awesome. And you're still really a awesome. lawyer? Still a lawyer. Um, took a couple of years off. Uh, trying still living in a penthouse? No, no longer in a penthouse. I, uh, I literally just moved about three weeks ago. I'm about two miles down the road from you. Okay. <laughs> Don't be shy. About... It's a beautiful house on the beach. Yeah, I've just got a new place. Later. I'm okay. looking forward to those parties. We're going to have more of those parties. There. <laughs> we, we know Rob is married and you? Uh, I am not married, still single. Um, after one of the other cool things after race, we were two of uh, people's 50 most eligible bachelors and 18 years later, I'm still you're eligible. Still, you still remain, you're still one of them. I always thought if you went in that magazine, it was like, boom, so yeah. suddenly you were. For me, it was the time off that changed my life. I, the, the race, I look back and give it credit for not only being an adventure, 
but kind of stopping the endless grind that had been my life. I was just a very the endless ser- grind. Endless grind. I, yeah. I was just, you know, I was raised in a, you know, what had been a military family. You play sports, you study, did it all through high school. You'd never really taken a, a time to smell the roses. No, until I was 27, I'd worked in some way or another, whether it was athletics or, or intellectually, 12 to 14 hours a day, right. you know, and, and then getting out. And Brendan will tell you this, I'm by nature sort of reserved in a wallflower, getting out and doing these things that come naturally to him, these charity events and interacting with people changed me and made me a different person in a so better you're way. More, in a be- more of an extrovert than you were before. And I'm still not much of one, but much more than I ever would have been, but for the race. So it's yeah. been good for you. It's been good for me. Yeah, yeah, it really has been. And you've also been involved in some charity work? Yeah, we have done the same charities. We, going back to Nuts, Nuts for Mutts was one of my favorite charities. <laughs> nuts I'm a for do- what? Nuts for Mutts. I'm a dog lover. Oh, Nuts for yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. I didn't know dogs funny. ate mu- nuts. Is nuts, that good for a dog? It means you're nuts for Mutts, Phil. Oh, not oh that you mean you're nuts, nuts for Mutts. Yeah, yeah, you don't give the nuts to Exactly, exactly. Our nuts are still in South Africa in more ways than one. <laughs> but no, it's 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 made me a little more open to the world in terms of traveling instead of just living in my little box, whether it's playing baseball or doing legal work or whatever, where I'm just laser focused. It, it's made yeah. me a better rounded person. Well, thank goodness you came on Amazing Race as Mavericks and it's been good for you guys. You haven't ended up in prison. Or, nope. You know, imagine that. Yeah. Imagine if I was interviewing you right now in prison. Right. Right. And you were wearing some orange outfits and you said, Phil, this has been the worst thing ever for me. Yeah. We probably wouldn't be having the interview. If but. We, if the parties that you read about, if those were, if that was true and that's how it went, maybe that's how we would have ended up. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, it, it's fantastic. And, I, and back to the theme again, I, I think the show, even after all these seasons, that the core just convinces people go out see the world and that's yeah. that's the beauty that's of a it. sort of life lesson i guess of amazing race well that's what changed my life yeah was yeah getting and out and it, seeing the world it is because a lot of people assume that what changed us is being on tv now we talked about that some that was awesome it's fun having people recognize you but really in my mind what changed me more was the experience yeah if there if there were no cameras, no money, no fame, take all that away, I would do the amazing race again in, in, in a heartbeat just because of the experience. You're saying to me here on the record that you would come back and do it again. Oh, hell yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, Brennan's been campaigning for 18 years to get back on the show on one of the reunions or something. So, yeah. you know, pitch him your idea about a season with all the winners. Oh, I think I think he's been pitched that before. And then it gets well, I like yeah. that idea, and yeah. I, you know, I, 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 a couple of ideas I like. As I also like the idea of the first eliminated to come back. Yeah, lost, yeah, that's we cool. lost a lot of great potential with teams. Sure, yeah, uh, like Avi and Joe, for instance. I mean, yeah. I think they were a great team. But yeah, the the the, the winners. Um, yeah, there's so many different ideas. Who knows whether we're going to yeah. keep on going? I mean, we we're at 32. Uh, what about you? You're still loving it, right? I, I still love it. I love it because it's fresh, you know, and, and as you know, I was up for Survivor before I was up for yep. Amazing Race, and I've been offered a lot of different shows over the years, but I feel like I really, like this one sort of fitted in with who I am and what I stand for and yeah. and, and the idea of promoting travel and, you know, something that's really important to me. I grew up traveling, and yeah. so I just love when I know that the show has inspired people to travel, I love that. It's, well, it's, I'll it's say it's been, it's been real impressive to see the brand you've been able to build, yeah. which I'll, I know you were doing some things before race, but obviously the, the real exposure of race is really what got you doing that. Yeah. And, and all these years lucky. later, you're, you're doing all these amazing things. You're inspiring people. Well, that's, you get people that's to go out thing. there and live their lives. Yeah. It's, it's really cool. Yeah, and, and, and race really fits in with that philosophy, but you know, the, the, this bucket philosophy, this mm-hmm. ticket before you kick it philosophy, it's set. You know, there's nothing more exciting than, than to me as I'm getting older is 
is knowing that in some way I might have helped someone travel, get on a plane, mm-hmm. be curious about yeah. the world. And so, you know, I really appreciate you guys coming in and sharing your stories. And I'm, thank I know you. we're going to see great things from you guys going down the line. So, you know, I really appreciate it. And uh, we, we end the, I end the podcast asking a couple of questions. I think you know what they are. So uh, I guess I'll put it out to you first, Brennan, just uh, if you were going to take a road trip uh, across America or maybe you were going to drive uh, across Australia, you could take three companions in the car from any time in history, dead or alive. Who would you take in the car with you? Um, so I think um, the first person I would take is my father, mm-hmm. who has been a, a huge inspiration my entire life. Um, as he, as he gets older, I know that our, our days together are, are limited. So, um, he'd be the, the first person that I'd put in there. And, um, and tell us why, cause you know, what, what, what is it that's special about your dad? So he is, he was, he was the inspiration for me in kind of having, um, an adventurous mindset. Mm-hmm. He was he was a race car driver. Okay. He was in a band. He just did a lot of cool things. Um, but he grew up in a in a small town and didn't really get a chance to get out of that small town as far as living. You know, he always lived in the same place. Certainly, you know, traveled some. Um, but so I would love to take him on a trip. And actually, we did um, when I moved from New York out here. Uh, he he drove. He, with he, he came with me. Yeah. Okay. The second person I, I would take actually is my brother. Um, my brother and I over the last couple of years have actually. Driven drifted apart a little bit. Mm. And I think that uh, taking him on a trip like that, because we used to be much closer, uh, would be something that could uh, bring that, that, that bond back together. And I would actually say uh, for the three of us, my, my uh, father, brother, and myself, that would be a, a great trip together. So if I go back into history, that's, that's the tough one. Um, and I think for me, uh, what would be really interesting would be to take, I've been listening to a book recently and Charles Darwin's name keeps coming up all the time. And yeah. he was a big traveler. He was kind of famous. Uh, he was yeah. kind of famous. Yeah. And uh, I think it would be cool to uh, you know, maybe go on some kind of voyage with him uh, that would be maybe to kind of similar. To, I was going to say similar yeah. to what he's done before. And it, uh, Galapagos sounds perfect because that's on the bucket list and I've never been. So uh, he'd, be the, he'd be the third one I'd throw in there. That's, that's a good car full. What about yeah. you, Rob? Well, I'll start with the, the historical theme then I was going to say probably Einstein. I'm a huge wow. science buff. I mean, yes. you know, I spend 10 to 12 hours a day reviewing commercial leases. So in the spare time that I get, I like to read about science, the things that don't relate to things that at the end of the day aren't going to mean anything. So I'd like to drive across the country in Einstein with Einstein and show him what's become of the world since he passed, get wow. some ideas about how he learned what he did and what came to him. And maybe how we could make it better. <laughs> and maybe how we could make it better. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then second honest answer, uh, I want to do a road trip with my wife. We've traveled a little bit, but we've yeah. never actually done one of those road trips in a car where you drive across the country, go skiing. You know, we're both busy. She's a professional as well. So to take, take that time and go do something with her like that, we're still in the honeymoon phase, would be great to, to do. Um, and then on a more somber note, Jerry. Yeah. Yeah. I had a friend who passed a number of years ago from depression related reasons um who was my best friend along with brennan during the time of the race he was at all those parties um i would like to go back before his death and take him on that road trip and maybe put some joy in his life that would have prevented things that happened wow it's a good answer (laughs) yeah really good answer and and speaking of life being precious last day on earth what would you do with your last day on earth i would Probably surfing in some tropical location where I can be with a bunch of my friends, have some day drinks, and uh, watch the sun go down, 
and uh, ride off into the sunset. I'd go outside no matter where I was because I spend too much time indoors. And like Brennan said, you know, if you knew you were going to go, go in nature, not inside a structure. So just get out. Well, you guys did that. Thanks for coming in and having a chat. Thanks for having really us. Appreciate we it. had a great time. It's, so it's great always great to see you. You guys are a part of uh, television history. The yeah. first ever winners of The Amazing Race, season one. Thanks for being part of The Amazing Race. And, All these uh, years later. Yep. Yeah. You never know. Maybe well, there will be a... All winners season of maybe it'll be an all, all winners season. Maybe we'll be doing another interview like this ten years from now when you're at about season fifty two. Yeah. Will you yeah. take it? That's the question. If you were up against all the other winners, could you beat them all? So I, I so here's the thing. This is a short answer. Yes, twenty somethings tend to win the race, right? We're in our forties now, but I think we still would have a great shot, and I, I, I would put our money on us. Yes. Great. Thank you, guys. Yep. Excellent. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. To see more great interviews, go to philcogan.com and subscribe to Bucket with Phil Cogan wherever you get your podcasts. Please consider rating and reviewing us and follow Bucket, that's Bucket with an IT, on Instagram and Facebook. Also, follow me on Twitter at Phil Cogan. See you soon.